Method to the Madness is next. You're listening to Method to the Madness, a bi-weekly public affairs show on KALX Berkeley, celebrating Bay Area innovators. I'm your host, Lisa Kiefer, and today we're talking with John Curry, the Executive Director of the Economic Development and Financing Corporation, also known as EDFC. Welcome to the program, John. Hi. You're the Executive Director of Economic Development and Financing Corporation. What is that, and what is the problem you're trying to solve? Okay, so we are a nonprofit 501c3 economic development corporation, and we are also certified as a community development financial institution. And what we do is we provide financing to people that can't get money, act as a lender of last resort, primarily to businesses. And we do economic development, which is basically diversifying the economy. And where are you located? Oh, we're located in uh, Mendocino County. We do business in Mendocino Lake Counties. We focus on rural economic development. How did this get started? Uh, in 1994, partners in the in our community of Mendocino, um, the four cities and the county itself, looked at how can we uh, better utilize uh, our resources to try and diversify our economy. So they formed this organization, and we were supported by the county and each of the four incorporated cities. And from there, we went out and were able to get funding and uh, apply for loans from the USDA. And what we are is an intermediary relending partner, which is we borrow the money from the USDA and then relend it out to, to projects that have economic development. The biggest issue, especially in rural communities, is the lack of population density and, and just the, the lack of economic activity. Really, there needs to be support for businesses that are trying to bring income into the economy. And so this was noted in the 90s when things were kind of going well right. in our economy, supposedly. And one of the big projects that came out was the city of Ukiah was looking to do a, an infrastructure development of a bridge and were tapped out in their terms of resources. So EDFC as a nonprofit was able to work with the Economic Development Administration to bring in funds through our nonprofit status to help build a bridge that was important for development in the community. From there, you know, we were pretty much just doing financing because redevelopment agencies existed. And then about six or seven years ago, redevelopment dissolved. And so all the communities in California are looking at ways to address the the funding issue. So what's going on with funding? Where are the banks? Right now, the big thing that's happening, at least in Lake and Mendocino counties, is we're forming an economic development district. For communities to receive funding, especially from the Economic Development Administration, they need comprehensive economic development strategies put together. And if counties or our communities can come together and do an economic development district, the uh, matching requirements, because usually grant funding is required to match one for one, uh, it reduces significantly when there's there's an economic development district. So this is one way that the Economic Development Administration is trying to address the issue. Um, We we try to approach something a little bit differently up where we're at. We worked with Cutting Edge Capital to do a direct public offering to address a, the, the problem for nonprofits like ourselves who are eligible for grant funding but have difficulty coming up with matching funds. We received a grant from the EDA to study small-scale meat processing, and our award was cut down because we didn't have the matching funds. The other undercurrent that we were addressing was the, the desire for local investors to move their money off of Wall Street into their community. So we worked with Cutting Edge Capital to create a direct public offering, I believe the first of its kind, which is a 
Economic Development Corporation allowing non-accredited investors to invest in their community. How does this work? What is the process? You know, first thing we would say was we work in conjunction with our banking partners because banking will offer uh, overall low, lower interest rates. But in the case of where you aren't eligible for financing or you don't get enough financing, that interest rate will be higher or you may not even get it at all. So you come to us. But there are instances where we found that there was a community benefit. We were looking at small-scale meat processing. Um, that project, which we received grants funding for, culminated with a feasibility study and a business plan, and the next step is to build out. But there were three pieces missing. One was finding an operator. Second was finding a piece of land. And third was financing. So we, we think we found the operator, we found the land. And so we looked at a direct public offering, but the project was not ready to move forward. So we decided to, to address um, this community benefit need by creating a social benefit revolving loan fund, which local investors can invest in. And luckily, a project came forward, which was a wool mill. And that wool mill had social benefit enough to where we said, okay, we... What gave it social benefit? Oh, had it been there a long time? Or? No, the wool mill was a startup. And it was a young family that principal Matt Gilbert was a sheep shearer. Um, he actually is a forester by trade, but he's been sheep shearing. Really got uh, impassioned with wool mill. And there's a burgeoning local fiber movement in the Bay Area that's amazing. Fiber shed up in Marin created a locally sourced jeans, a, a CSA gene. Blue jeans? Cotton, yeah, cotton <laughs> cotton that was grown in the Cape Hay Valley, indigo that was done in the Cape Hay Valley. Unfortunately, the milling had to be done out in the East Coast. And there's, a again, a local you know wool movement that's happening, and there's no fine-spun fiber. So Matt came up with a business plan but given the startup nature of it, the t- intensive capital needs, and just his lack of capital, was not turned. It was turned down by a bank, and we just, we thought this is a great resource. Wool was an important industry in Mendocino back in the day, but subsequently died out. A lot of people have animals on their property to comply with Williamson Act, which is tax status, and so they're shearing these sheep, and it's a cost center for them. Whereas Matt can t- aggregate this with stuff that's normally taken to the dump or sold off for pennies on the dollar and turn into a value-added product. By definition, what we do is we do social benefit. We create jobs, and jobs create wealth in our community. Our mission statement is connecting money and ideas with entrepreneurs to create sustainable prosperity in Lake and Mendocino counties. So by definition, we have a mission, but we've expanded that mission to incorporate the social benefit, which in Matt's case would be adding value to a resource, which Unfortunately, in our community, a lot of our resources are extracted, and then the value that is added elsewhere. And so the people who are producing those resources aren't able to, to have a sustainable lifestyle. What other kinds of things besides, like, wool extraction that you are looking at? Um, you know, again, we were, we're an agricultural community, um, and if you look go north of San Francisco, a lot of a prime agricultural real estate has been turned over to grape growing. But in Mendocino County and parts of northern Sonoma County, we built San Francisco with our redwood product. Unfortunately, the redwood market has changed and and the need for redwood and, and just the, the extractive nature of that business. We don't like to say extraction in our community anymore because that means that we're not renewing. Right. And but, with the wool, you are renewing. So yeah, that's not exactly. really extractive. Right. Projects that we'd like to see come back would be, you know, how do we create more sustainable fisheries? Farming is is important, and we up in where our area consider um, farming a social entrepreneurship type of endeavor because Mendocino is a very large county. But when you actually look at how much row crops are being grown, there's probably less than 100 acres that of row crops that are being grown commercially, and that's just a function of the other competitive resources which are being grown, which are grapes, timber, and of course our illegal economy, cannabis. Yes. How much money do you want to ultimately be in this fund, or have you already reached that goal? Well, yeah, we reached that goal. I mean, really, this was a kind of a beta test. You know, we chose a local impact investing because we were we wanted to try and be as conservative as possible. And when we factor in the community social benefits, 
it would mean that we could offset that with a lower financial return, which would then build in some sustainability of the project. We had a minimum raise of $250,000 we needed to reach, and we had a maximum of a million. And that idea was maybe we would have the meat processing plant come online. And we didn't have a project designated for this. In the process of doing this direct public offering, to say to someone, would you invest in economic development is a little esoteric, but do you want to invest in a wool mill was a much more tangible kind of ask. So we, the board of directors approved the wool mill for a loan, and so we were then we were able to use the wool mill as our, our flagship project to be uh, fundraised for. So we reached our, two, our minimum of 250000 in uh, January, and in February we, we raised 350000 which was the exact amount that's needed to fund the wool mill. Isn't the goal to have a lot of money so it's not just one, uh, you know, a wool mill, but many different companies could come to you and say, many local entrepreneurs could come and say, oh, I, I, I want to start this restaurant, or I want to... Isn't that the goal of it, or, or, or is, it, is it project by project? The intention, of course, is to have a larger fund, but given the time constraints and limited capacity that we had, and also the brand recognition of EDFC wasn't there, um, a lot of people said, I want this to go to the wool mill. Given the time frame of when we had to fundraise, the wool mill was the only project. But now we've got credibility, and if we're able to you know, successfully pay back all the investors, then we can go back to a larger question of how do we fund projects to revitalize you know, uh, manufacturing in, in Mendocino County? How do we revitalize the Neoyo Harbor. Okay, well, how do we fund social entrepreneurs which need a lower interest rate, need more patient capital? So we create a fund to deploy it. But one of the things as a community development financial institution, we are able to access grants and portfolio insurance programs. So if you were to go invest in the wool mill, you're, you're, you're risking your investment and you're basing it on the intrinsic value of the project. By us taking in that investment, we are then able to insure that loan and be able to service that loan. You're around. kind of the intermediary. Exactly. That, yeah, okay. Exactly. And we're nonprofit intermediary. So a lot of intermediaries, when you look in the financial world, take a, a return based on, you know, paying CEOs and things like that. What does EDFC get? Well, EDFC is fulfilling its mission. I've got, you know, we're a nonprofit. For us, what we're doing is we're building sustainability to our mission. We're also fulfilling our mission in, in creating new markets for our community to, to be able to, to bring entrepreneurs in. So we look at it as a multi-tiered facet. So you're, if you're an existing business that need, or a startup business that needs capital, there's a loan fund. But there are projects such as the meat processing facility, which doesn't have an entrepreneur yet. We're able to leverage grant funding because of our nonprofit status to be able to then develop those markets. And how will you do that? Will you also do direct public offerings or, or yeah, what is your plan for that? Well, the meat processing, ideally, you know, EDFC does not want to be in the business of running other businesses. But what we are willing to do is kind of shepherd them and incubate them to the next level. So when we explored the meat processing facility, we wanted it to be owned by producers. But the producers that exist right now, the, the mainstream producers, are pretty satisfied with their existing contracts and it'd be hard for them to move away. And so it's also a very controversial subject in our community. We had a lot of people who, who were back to landers. We have a Buddhist monastery and Buddhist school up there. So it, it's been tough to figure out whether this project can move forward. But that being said, the producers haven't really wanted to take on this project, even though I've ha talked to several prominent wine producers who have this problem breaking the Napa cachet. Like we, may, we produce some of the best wines and, and grape juice in, in Mendocino County, and a lot of it goes into Napa Valley wines. But there's a good understanding that we could become the Napa Valley of grass-fed organic beef, and some of the producers we have are making that kind of impact. So the idea of value-added processing is important. That being said, nobody really wants to take the risk. This is a risky endeavor. The returns don't justify venture capital. So in that question of how do we finance this, 
EDFC said, well, let's let's create a direct public offering model to look for local investment. Then what we would do is maybe start it. There's a there's an economic development corporation, Taos, who operates a meat processing facility, and we would do it to start it off, and then spin it off as a worker owned cooperative. Okay. But because but we don't want to be in the business of running businesses. So you, it sounds yeah, you're helping businesses right. stay in the community. Yeah. And our other like. big project we're doing is we're doing a co working facility, and that's really brought up from a project we took on, which was broadband. You know, when we talk about rural communities, we are, you know, we're very behind the, um, in in terms of creating 21st century infrastructure for these information-based, you know, economy. I feel like that in Berkeley. Yeah. <laughs> when I lived in Berkeley, I was really happy with my internet. I ran a brewery <laughs> up in Mendocino on a satellite internet, and that was really tough. So we came together with a community foundation and started talking about it and created the Broadband Alliance for Mendocino County. And through that process, we've become really vocal and, and, and have gone to the to Congress and talked about the issues of the incumbents taking away copper and the importance for 911 and emergency services. So we've become this very much a, a figurehead for this, this rural community. Because when you look at the Northern California rural communities, we're less than 5% of the population of California. So that's a margin of error for a lot of companies. Unless you make a lot of noise, they're not going to be interested. Now that Mendocino has partnered with Sonoma and Marin, we've, we've created so much noise now that at and is starting to take take voice. But You're the, really a region. Right. You know, it, It's unreasonable for if you're living up in a rural community that you have a highway up to your house. I also think that it's unreasonable that you're going to have fiber out in the middle of nowhere. But that being said, the real issue is how do you address our urban cores, our, our incorporated cities? How do you get that faster internet? And how do you address really the socioeconomic digital divide of uh, cheaper access to people there? So those are some issues that we want to bring up. And this co-working facility that we're developing, we have a very, very large um, land area with a very large, small population. And we have some very, very creative people You know, from Factory Pipe, which is a, a manufacturer of OEM exhaust systems for you know, motorcycles and ATVs and things like that, operating on a, on, a, on a global competitive scale in Mendocino County that started out from a local boy to um, little startup co- corporations. There's one up there, Peter Pugger, which is the main equipment for mixing ceramics and is, is the primary equipment for Play-Doh. These type of entrepreneurs are scattered around, and so to bring people together, which... To a hub, sort to of. To a hub and be able to network mm-hmm. will help create a... a, a culture of entrepreneurship because we and then you can also uh, get economies of scale on what it is they need yes. whether it's accounting back right. office stuff or internet right yeah and you know the, the the co-working movement has been phenomenal in the bay area and we're you know it takes someone like edfc which is a nonprofit, has access to partnerships and things like that to offset the costs but we really believe that the next major employer industry in our community is going to be homegrown it's not going to be attracting uh you know masonite which was a the biggest industry, one of the biggest companies in Ukiah for a long time, moved away for environmental and uh, cost issues. But we're not going to attract another company like that or another Nike. And really, what we were, what we're looking for is lifestyle businesses. I was in the Bay Area for ten years, and I'm up there for a much quieter lifestyle. And it's artisanal things are are, are very popular everywhere. Yeah. Like, do you see this kind of thing happening elsewhere in the U.S.? Oh, yeah. I mean... Are there other EDFC-type organizations? Especially in rural communities. I mean, it's funny. When you look at funding um, criteria for grant funding, there's two top of the list. One would be low income, and the other one would be rural. So there are organizations that operate in in Los Angeles County and San Francisco County that are acts have access to funds. And the rural communities have it, but we don't have the population base, and so the impact is a little bit different. But that being said, economic development corporations are all around uh, the state, all around the country. 
And then the community development financial institutions really, CDFIs are really unique. They're a, a designation by the Department of Treasury. And banking and insurance companies have to comply with Community Reinvestment Act dollars. And so they fund the the CDFI fund, which then gives out money. But we, I could go to a bank right now and get money and be able to deploy it into uh, low-income and rural projects. As a matter of fact, the direct public offering we did was probably the hardest money that I could have gotten. The $350,000 you know, we raised for the direct public offering. Why is that? Um, because you had to go out. I mean, I was on the road asking. Your average investment was $4,000. The number of people we had was 80. When I could have gone to a bank and said, okay, I'll offer you the same terms. Right. But the value back to the community, it binds the community, right? Right. And and also it was it was important to, to – I mean, I think when we look at you know wealth inequality, it's really based on people having ownership of, of assets. And so this is a way that non-accredited investors can not only have ownership of asset but have it locally. Right. And the conversation we have is Berkeley is a good place for this where you talk about localization by local, where 45 cents of every dollar spent locally stays locally, whereas 15 cents of a non-local business – stays locally. Well, if you look at that in a bigger uh, scheme, if you go out and you buy Apple stock, you're getting your dividend in Apple. But if you put that same amount of money in, you know, Berkeley Bowl, you're not only getting that dollar back you know, in terms of dividend, but you're also getting that community benefit of those dollars circulating in the community. So, it's so you may get a little lower percentage, right, of in the, in return. This ca- in this case, we did. But, but you get a an intangible right. return in the community. Because if you like a business, you want to stay. Yeah. The other thing is that this is a prototype. So when we look at rolling out a, a, a more general economic development fund, we'll be able to offer a risk-adjusted return. What does uh, that mean? The, the reason why the Mendocino Wool Project couldn't get funded was that it was a startup. It, the, the lack of experience from the um, from Matt. He's La- young, right? Yeah, he's young, yeah. and you know he was a forcer by trade. So there, the risk was there that you know if you talk about venture capitalists, they they one of the reasons why they justify a high you know, stake either equity or rate of return is that these things are inherently risky. So when you look at the two percent return we ask for investors, it isn't quite risk adjusted. Then again, we are a nonprofit, and so because because of that, and because we're a CDFI, we are able to insure this, so we mitigate a lot of that risk. But that being said, if it, people would have been much more apt to invest if they were being offered a five, six, seven percent rate of return, which would be more reflective of the risk that they're taking. So, on. did you feel um, was it something that you would recommend to others after going through this process of getting all of these investors locally? It was gr- it was a great experience. I think that uh, I mean you're actually meeting face to face and yeah, with your investors. It was it was it was me. And sometimes I had to meet with them three times. You know. Yeah. Well, that's what the big um, you know IPOs they have to go around and do their dog and pony show. Too. Right, and, and, you know, like but, the they're, but but they're but they're the getting world. like checks of ten million, hundred exactly. million dollars. <laughs> but I mean, um, relatively speaking, you still have to do that face to face. But that's uh, you know, if you look at the way our world is moving, we're moving from a way we're moving to more of a transactional experience, and people are missing the relationship. And so, one of the things I've been working on with you know on the side is with some high net worth investors is talking about how do we create direct relationship driven investment. And this, this what we're, what I was doing was direct. Really, I mean, I shook hands with everybody. Everyone talked to Matt. We're, you know, the, one of the things that investors really wanted to have was this feeling of community. So we're having these investor meetings. We're we're having one coming up at a, a very nice retreat place up in Ukiah. I mean, this is a very unique unique thing for. So do you bring in the wool makers and yeah, they, we're gonna, they yeah. give a presentation? And, yeah, and once the that's once a great the product, idea. Yeah, so it, you know, I think. Yeah. As our world gets more and more online and it goes more and more faster, it, it, that relationship that people are craving, and especially when you're talking about $1,000. I mean, you know, Michael Schumann talks about moving 1% of your income and what the impact that would make in our local communities. For some people, $1,000 was what they would write a check 
for a, a philanthropic you know endeavor. But here they're going to build some sustainability into it. And this whole world of social uh, social impact investing is, is just growing leaps and bounds. Having learned about it five or six years ago, the market is just exploding and people wanting it. It is interesting. It, I feel like it's this whole other parallel universe going on outside of this crazy other financial market. Yeah. And, and in some ways, it's more tangible. Even if you have your money in a large commercial mega bank, you know, you think it's FDIC insured, and it is, but that bank's exposure to derivative instruments and things like that, or even if you have it in, a, in a, your money in a, in a stock somewhere. But if you have your, your money at Joe's, you know, fish market, you can go by there every day and you'll see whether he's got people coming in or he doesn't, or if you, or you get to taste his product and, and you know whether, you know, he's going to fail or not. Yeah, because, you know, if you know this person, you have a different responsibility. Right. Well, what was really unique is, not you know, the money was definitely the focus, but what came out of this was some of the captains of industry in our community came together and said, we want to mentor this guy. Oh, that's really so good. So you're talking about another added effect of like, wow, this guy, you know, this guy really, you know, we believe in him. And we're going to we're going to take time out of our busy schedules running our multimillion dollar corporations to to give him some mind that share. That's really, really. Yeah. Good. So it's really it was really community, you know, community um, focused. I was talking to a Bank of America guy who specializes in CDFIs. And he explained to me that uh, he'd been working in the CDFI department at Bank of America for 25, 30 years and that he loved it and self-financing. And if he wasn't doing that, he'd be working in a CDFI because CDFIs are the most innovative and creative places where community capital is, is being deployed. And I think this place where CDFIs like us are coming in and being able to take on that risk intermediary is really interesting. Because when we went out to the community and, and you know, in the bigger conversation of in the wake of 2008, people were moving their money out of big banks and there are communities like Willis Economic Localization, which is a group of people who came together and said, how do we invest locally? And when I went to those meetings, it was great because you heard these people going, I want to invest locally, but I don't want to take any risk. I don't want to find the deals. I don't want to vet the deals. And I don't want to service the deals. And so that EDFC, as a non, as a economic development corporation, as CDFI, we have the skill set, we have the tools, and then we have the risk mitigation thing. So this is this is a technique now that there are a lot of CDFIs who are looking at what we're doing. Yes, and it's a great alternative to this donation-based crowdfunding. I don't want a T-shirt. I want to invest in your company. Well, until recently, you know, that's not been able to be possible. The SEC rules have just finally come down. I'll tell you what, I spent more money on Kickstarter, but that idea of having a relationship with an investment where you can go and you can meet and see and, and that it's in your community, I think. I've done both too, and I just I like the connection right. that's made in and the then, community. And there's also a bigger conversation that I'm having with people like in, in Berkeley or in San Francisco is that places like Mendocino are your source of food, energy, and water. And there has to be mechanisms that allow wealth building in those communities so that families can continue to supply food, energy, water in an equitable way. And this is a great mechanism. Can people here invest in, yeah, so, in these projects? Like meaning not Mendocino, but, you know, Berkeley, San Francisco. And they did. They actually did. Okay. So because of the mechanism of the direct public offering is it, a state exemption that as long as you register within the state, but it's open to all everyone in California. So we did our roadshow in Mendocino, but 30% of, of our investment came from the Bay Area. Well, it makes sense. Like you say, I mean, that's, right. the, that's where we get our right. and, food. And, and the other side of it is, is that, you know, a $50,000 investment from someone in San Francisco is a lot different than a $50,000 investment than someone in Willits. That's true. And um, so and that was one of our largest investments was a $50,000 investment. Do you find that, you know, getting a couple of those big ones makes the rest easier? 
No, I, I don't think the big investment was really it. And as a matter of fact, I, I would have preferred to get it all through small investors. But oh, okay. that being said, I'm not going to turn away money. Yeah. And it made things easier. But um, we, we were late. We had a year to, to be able to fundraise. And we were authorized in February of last year. And so the state gives you one year. Yeah. Okay. And then you can file an extension, but we, we decided not to. We really didn't kick off our marketing effort until late, like six months later. And part of it was I was able to get grants from our local bank, Savings Bank of Mendocino, Mendeley Credit Union. PG&E gave us a grant. Community Foundation gave us a grant to be able to create a marketing campaign and a video. Our video was phenomenal, really well done. I highly recommend you go to see it. I think it's still well, how, how would listeners go uh, uh, see this video and, it, you know, your website? Yeah, go to, go to www.edfc.org. And what's the video about? It's it's just the wool mill. It's really well done and and just the the local investment opportunity. But that really kind of kicked off the initial investment. And then once we started gaining momentum and people saw this was for real, we had brought Michael Schumann up to the community twice and and everybody loved what he had to say, but nobody really believed that anyone was going to make this happen. And when they finally saw money coming in and the amounts of money that was coming in, it created a snowball and it was just, it was so amazing. it should bode well for the future. What are some other things that you foresee or you're hoping to get done in the future? Well, you know, one of the things that, you know, we look at is there's such a beautiful harbor, the Noyo Harbor up in, in um, Mendocino County. And there's other issues other than just financing, but, you know, creating a, a community, revitalizing that fishing community and that timber community in Fort Bragg is so important. It's so isolated and it's so beautiful and such a great lifestyle. I also think that if you look at what happened, as a lot of people went back to land, they went up to these areas, Mendocino and Humboldt counties, and they bought land from timber companies that had been just raped and pillaged. These things were devastated. And they were able to eke out a living. And now they're looking at, hey, maybe I want to become a, a commercial cannabis grower and become legitimate and compliant. But they've got issues with erosion and road control, which could cast them, you know, anywhere from tens to hundreds of thousands of dollars. And how do you get, how can they fund these things? So there needs to be a way, a mechanism to fund compliance in this world. I'm not saying that we're ready to do that, but there is going to be a need to fund compliance in the future in California, especially in the rural areas. You couldn't probably get federal sources, but community capital could be raised to do that. And there's talk about trying, there's a bunch of people in the cannabis community who are talking about doing a direct public offering to create cooperative processing. Again, it's, it's the issue of the people that make and grow things don't make as much money as the people that distribute things. And so as it, you have to, in order to build equity in our community, is to add value to it. All these regional hubs are going to become more and more important. It's yeah. a redundant system. Yeah. And if you look we, at ancient Greece, right? Ancient yeah. Greece was not countries. They were nations. They were exactly, city-states. Exactly, city-states. And it's that aggregation of economic activity that allowed them to weather the decomplexification events that happened. When I ran the Anderson Valley Brewing Company, which was a regional brewery, when, and at the time it was in the top 50 craft breweries, um, in terms of size and, and probably in the top two or three in terms of quality. But our core markets were San Francisco, Santa Rosa, and Sacramento. And even though we distributed out to far as China and Brazil and Sweden, if we lost market share in those areas, it was very concerning because those are your core markets. And there is an intrinsic relationship between especially Mendocino, Lake County, Sonoma County, to the Bay Area. Being tied and anchored to the Bay Area and building those relationships is really important. I want to talk a little bit about you. You've said that you, you grew up in um, Santa, Cruz. Santa Cruz. You were in the brewery industry. <laughs> what drew you to this EDFC work? I went. To, I, was, I grew up in Santa Cruz. Um, I actually was born in, in Vietnam and spent some time in Saudi Arabia. My dad was a civil engineer. But for the most part, most of my childhood was growing, you know, from high school on, 
or junior high on was in Santa Cruz. So I, I never thought I'd leave. But then realized going back to Vietnam, I had an opportunity to get an education. So I, I got into school, got out really quickly with my master's in economics and finance and realized I didn't really want to be in a bank. Got involved in high tech and so on and so forth and started some companies. And then this opportunity to run the Anderson Valley Brewing Company came up. When you go to a party, running a, a brewery was always, you know. <laughs> you're popular. Yeah, you're, you know. <laughs> Um, but I, I didn't. There were things, intrinsic things I didn't like about the business. Uh, one thing is I don't really drink that much. I don't enjoy drinking that much, and so that led to a clash. But at that time, being a very large employer in a very small area, I was asked to be on a lot of boards. And so, being, coming on to the Economic Development Financing Corporation Board of Directors, which is 21 board members, uh, which includes two county supervisors, a city councilor from each of the four cities, and then major employers and things like that, I really liked the work. We funded a brewery up in Lake County, and my brewing experience came into that. And, or going into the wool mill or going to talk to another restaurateur. The community really opened up. And so I love the myriad of things I get to do and the, the questions. It's just Right. You're really connected in a network. And I really love what I do and just the, the community impact of it. If somebody wants to get a hold of you and ask questions. Yeah, they can either email me, uh, John, J-O-H-N, at E-D-F-C dot org. Echo David Frank Charlie. Um, they can call me, 707 684 4084. You know, and I'm actually presenting, I'm going up to ComCap up in, uh, in Portland. And what is ComCap? It's Community Capital uh, Conference about people creating ways to fund uh, socially beneficial organizations or small businesses. Are you one of the speakers? Yeah. And uh, Amy Pearl up there has done some amazing things in community capital legislation to allow crowdfunding of, of community benefit organizations. Yeah, I, I just love the idea. I mean, I'm maybe growing up in Santa Cruz, but having that kind of social responsibility. And I think that income inequality is solved through people taking ownership of assets. And instead of redistribution, it's just basically being able to be owners of cooperatives or businesses and uh, being able to leverage that money. My next big passion is to create a mechanism for non-accredited people to put tax-deferred investment away. Wow. Ultimately, like the litmus test for my job is healthy, happy kids. If families can live in my community and are able to keep their kids here to have happy kids unto themselves, then I've done my job. John, that's a nice way to end it. Thanks for being on the program. Oh, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. That was John Curry, the executive director of EDFC, Economic Development and Financing Corporation. This has been Method to the Madness. We'll be back again in two weeks at the same time. Thank you.